Warning! The following podcast may contain language and subject matter not suitable for all ages or everyone. If you don't like what you're listening to, please press stop. You're tuned into K-Pop. It's Life in Korea with your hosts, Scott, Adam, and Phil. It's K-Pop, Life in Korea, the podcast that brings you some of the people living and working right here in South Korea. I'm one of the hosts, Scott. Sitting across from me, as always, is Phil. Phil Hulsings. It's great, Scott. And sitting right beside him is Adam. Adam Hulsings. I'm doing well, thank you. And this week, we've got a special guest on the show. We have the author of a new book coming out called Culture Shock Korea, A Survival Guide to Customs and Etiquette. So the author is John Bosque. Is that correct? That's right, Scott. How's it going, John? Good, man. Good. The boss. I just want to say a happy 4th of July to all the Americans out there living in Korea. Woo! And also, happy Canada Day. Yay, yay! Last weekend, just a couple days ago. So, happy 4th of July. Our home and native land. What's that called? Independence Day? Independence Day. And happy Canada Day to everyone. So, we have John here. John, where are you originally from? Uh, I'm from the U.S. Uh, I grew up in Westchester County, New York. So, happy American Day to you. Thank you, and happy Canada Day to you. Thanks. So, uh, New York State... Yeah, technically. I grew up, uh, Westchester's just north of the city, so it's the suburbs of New York City, but New York State, yeah. And when did you first come to Korea? I came, I actually remember the day. It was October the 7th, 1998, uh, when I came. Uh, I think I remember it because uh, my contract ended on the same day, and I was looking forward to it for a couple months, so <laughs> I think that's, what, <laughs> you that's why. Waiting the day. Yeah. What area did you move to first? I lived in Ulsan for a okay. year, working at a hagwon. So yeah, I was counting the days toward the end of that. But, mm. uh, but maybe yeah. not the best experience there. Oh no, it wasn't terrible. But you know, I was just looking to do you know something else. You know, one year was enough. And, uh, so 1998. 98. Yeah. So this is first time on the podcast we've had somebody who's been on in Korea longer than myself. Oh wow. Okay. And, well, we're not going to get into it. I'm, I'm not yeah, I mean, Don't we have, like, streamers and, yeah. then, like, something to come down, like, <laughs> what celebration? Do I, what, what do I win? <laughs> do you remember what originally brought you to Korea? Yeah, I think it was a mixture of uh, curiosity. I had kind of the travel bug after college. I, uh, I traveled for about a year and went back to New York and was working and just I, I just didn't feel like I wanted to be there. And then the other part of it was um, just trying teaching. I wanted to give that a try without, you know, committing to a master's degree. And then finding out that I hated teaching, so I, I <laughs> so I, I just came and took a job, you know, for a year, and I've been here, quote unquote, for a year ever ever since. Also, you you saw the Remo Williams movie, right? I, oh, that's an old one. Yeah. <laughs> that's what oh, brought him. To Korea. He probably, Scott probably remembers. He's an older. So after, he's almost as old as that's me. That's the reason I came to. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was Remo Williams? It rings a bell, but I can't remember. It was uh, some special secret service and American government that. A Korean master taught people. But they couldn't find a real Korean to do it, so they whitewashed him? They were uh, jumping around on uh, the Statue of Liberty, and they could dodge bullets. Oh, no. I I know that it rings a bell, but I I think I missed that one. So after Ulsan, did you... Did you return to Ulsan or did you move to a different city? Uh, I left Ulsan. I wanted to work in Busan. Like that year I'd visited Busan a couple of times. I really liked it. Yeah. And so I was just looking for a job in Busan. And I was lucky because the timing worked out well. I uh, 
finished up in October and the university started hiring around that time, November. So I just kind of hung around for a while. I think it was like couch surfing for a month or two and then went to this job fair and uh, got a job uh, pretty easy in those days because most people were leaving Korea after the Asian economic crisis. Okay. So like basically if you were here, you had a job. So uh, I got a job in Busan and then that, that was 2000. I moved there. And I've, been, right. I've been living there ever since. So you've been there for 17 years. Yeah, about, I guess so. Yeah. 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 Nice. Busan's great. I love it. Yeah. Busan. Yeah. I think I'd say Busan is my favorite big city in Korea. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Why do you say that? I'm curious. Well, I mean, you got the beaches, you got, it's, it's not so densely populated as Seoul. You, you have like a good foreign community, you have good places to go. Yeah. Uh, but mostly the beaches, I'd say. To yeah. Be honest. Like, Bill, you like Busan? I'm not real crazy about Busan. And it, it's nothing against Busan. It's just, uh, I like, I'm a small town guy. Yeah. And so I live in Jenhei, and mm-hmm. that's, that's perfect for me. It's yeah. quiet. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't need a lot of lights and excitement. Right. Changwon's great for me there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's better to, I think it's better to visit Busan than Seoul. I think I have much more. Sure. Fun time in yeah. Busan than I would in Seoul. Well, it's 40 minutes in five hours, so that also... It is close, yeah. yeah. I know, I like that about Busan, too. You got the beach. Uh, that was one of the big draws for me. And for me, it was kind of a nice balance between... I, I like having the stuff you have in a city, like the variety and stuff, but I don't like the big crush of big cities. Like, I lived in New York City in my early 20s for a year, and I, I didn't really like it. And I, I, would, I wouldn't want to live in Seoul for the same reason. Mm-hmm. But uh, Busan is kind of a nice balance for me, where you get that city vibe, but it's not like overwhelming yeah yeah so sure. you've lived in busan for 17 years Is, yeah. has it changed a lot or do you think it's been kind of oh my gosh gradual? yeah no it's changed a lot yeah we were talking earlier about oh well the food comes to mind right away like we were talking earlier um just like there was no um real foreign food and uh, i mean i like korean food but you know you want some variety mm-hmm. um it, now there just seems to be so much variety um coffee infrastructures changed like when i came they had just opened the second subway line now there's like five i think mm-hmm. and a, no, a new one under construction um there's a bridge a suspension bridge the guangan bridge wasn't there yeah when, right. I, when i moved there so yeah the, just the look of the city has changed a lot you know the new buildings and all that we've got the um six of the eight tallest buildings in korea now these uh, skyscrapers the i park and none of that was there so just the look of it is different. The culture is different. The, the feeling is a little different, too. When did they start the uh, fireworks festival? Oh, that's a good question. It's been around for a while. I'd just be guessing, though. Um, I, I don't know. I'd just be guessing. I went back. A few years. Though. I went back in 2000, I want to say 2008 or 2009, and it was a spectacle. Like I thought it was the best fireworks show I've ever seen in my it's, whole life. You yeah. Know, it's pretty awesome. I live in Guangali, actually, right up the street, and we can just about see it if I stand on the roof. We can see the top of the show. Yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Things change here quite, you know, often and rapidly. I mean, I'm sure by the time you get back to Busan tomorrow, the city, the city will be different. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a new building up. And where's my house? The, the ninth tallest building in Korea will be there. It's so true. No, that's one of the things about Korea that still amazes me. Like just, just last year, true story. Um, I live in a house at the end of a small alley and uh, I, I left for work one day. And I came back, and the entire alley, about, uh, say, about a 30, 40-foot section of concrete, had been totally dug up. They had replaced a section of water main, and then the whole thing had been repaved, like, Mm. all between the time (laughs) I left for work and came home. And I never saw saw the workmen come or leave, but it had all been done. Like, it was all finished. And I was like, wow, that would never happen in New (laughs) York. You got, like, 12 guys, like... Standing on shovels. No, no, in New York, you have potholes that have names. They're they're so old, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Reminds me of that guy, um, 
uh, was spray painting penises next to potholes <laughs> to get the city to fix it in right. England. Yeah. They called him like Wanksy. Uh-huh. Oh, he's like Banksy, Wanksy. but Wanksy? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I've never heard of that. All right, so you've been here for this long. What's kept you in Korea? Why have you stayed for longer than myself? I think over the years it's been different things. Um, one was, you know, when you live somewhere for a while, well, I liked my job for one. I mean, if I hated it, I probably would have left a long time ago. So I like teaching. Um, and then, you know, you make a lot of friends, it becomes home. And, and then after a while, you just sort of realize, I, I can't put my finger on when exactly, but you just realize it's kind of easier to stay here than it is to leave and start over somewhere else. And it's not to say I feel trapped. I mean, I really enjoy what I do, but, but at some point I just kind of realized I was like, okay, well, I guess, you know, this is my life now. But, uh, <laughs> so you're going to be here for the foreseeable future? Yeah. Well, I'm, and, well, the other thing too is, yeah, I'm married. Oh. We, we have a house now that we own. We have kids. So we're really settled here. And I, and it, just the thought of moving now, it's, it would just be like just moving. It's, it's, it's not a question of going back to something. It would just be like starting over, you know. So you're married to a Korean? Yeah. My wife's mm-hmm. Korean. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, you know, now it's, I guess it's a mixture of just genuinely liking it here. And, and part of that, you know, that, Inertia, I guess if you want to call it that, you know, just, just I don't want to move anymore. Do you go home to visit your family often, or not so much? Like I, because well, now we're five people. I have three stepdaughters, and we yeah. have a couple of dogs too. So moving everybody and getting someone to look for dogs is kind of a mission now. So yeah, for sure. So I've I've managed to persuade my mom like about five six years ago. Why don't you just come here? My dad, <laughs> my dad's gone now. He's passed away, so oh. it's just my mom. And did I have, your mom make the trek though? She's, she's done it twice now. Oh, there she goes. Yeah, so like you that's know, a champion right there. Yeah, so just come here and stay with us. So she's done that now a couple times. I would have to be dying, I think, if my folks came out here. <laughs> They've never made the trip. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's a rough trip. I mean, coming from North America. Yeah, it's like fourteen you know? hour flight, you know. Yeah. And I think mo- I think my dad is just like no. Yeah. Like he can he can barely stand like a six hour flight. Right. Know? If oh, he my goes dad down never. To Caribbean or something, you know. But like. Right. Yeah. No, my dad he he never made the trip. He passed away a few years ago, but he he was like, nah, I'm not going for you. <laughs> I don't love you that much. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like, how long's the flight? Nah. Uh, no. Quite like the the flights though. Soothing. Something about that just oddly soothing. Yeah. Well, you get used to it, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you've done it a couple times, and it's like, all right, you read a book, take a nap, eat a crappy meal, and you're there. And, uh, <laughs> well, I heard about this this new thing. Uh, you guys know the podcast is called Sleep With Me. No, it's it's good. it's this guy, and he just like he just lulls you to sleep oh. because he just talks about boring shit, but he has like a really really like soothing voice. Okay. They, they so, stole our idea. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, no. I say that sounds like me. No, and, and this guy, he said, he said, if you put on headphones and you wear like a hoodie and maybe like one of those eye masks, mm-hmm. he said, within seven eight minutes, you're you're fast asleep. And uh, I've tried this before, and it actually did work for me. Wow. And, uh, yeah, like, within, like, he just talks about, like, he just talks about random things. Like, he'll just tell you, like, random shit that happened to him, like, on his way to the supermarket or something. But he has, like, he has this, like, voice that's just, like, it just kind of, like, calms everything. Like velvet. Yeah, and just and just puts you right to sleep. Yeah. Wow. So, so you're saying this is good for the airplane trip? I would say it's yeah. If you if you have trouble sleeping on planes, it, it would help you. I always buy uh, sleeping pills. Actually, oh yeah. When I'll see from Canada, but when I take the flight, I don't know if they work though. I don't recall sleeping. Those on a I've plane. tried those once and they <laughs> made me barf. So I never get them again. There's a a brand in Canada that uh, knocks you out within a half hour. So I do that with Benadryl. Like Benadryl, like it's an allergy medication, but takes me out and I'm I'm gone for 16 hours almost. Mm. 
So we all took the flight over here, which was uh, quite a trek, especially the first time. Actually, the first uh-huh. time flying here, you know, you're usually quite excited and the time goes by fast. It sucks after, obviously, you know, being here for more than 17 years. Flying back and forth is not that fun. Yeah, well, I think that was part of it, too. I just got tired of making the trip. And it occurred to me, too. I was like, you know, I'm working as a teacher. I'm not making a ton of money. And like people would ask me in the States, like, why don't you come when you're coming back or when are you coming home? And then it started to sound weird. I was like, well, I'm home actually now. I live here. You know, this is your new home. This is home. Yeah. So it was like, well, why am I going over there spending all this money to see a bunch of people? You know, why don't you guys get on a plane? Because I don't really need to go. Yeah. And it would be more interesting for them, right? Like it would be. Yeah. No, it's like I don't need to be in New York in February, freeze my ass off. Almost. It'd be almost like a culture shock to them. Nice plug. For sure. (laughs) Sure. So, speaking of which, you're the author of the new version of Culture Shock Korea. So, uh, let's get into a little bit about this book. Sure. For starters, what's the book about? Um, Not not in terms of what you've written, but I know it's been around. I have seen that book in 2012, I think, was the last one I saw. Yeah, Culture Shock. Well, the Culture Shock is a series put out by, by a company in Singapore called Marshall Cavendish, and they have books for about 70 or 80 countries and a few major cities. And what they are are more like um, guides for people who are going to be living in a country as opposed to traveling. So they go into a little more depth on things like culture, history, food, the things that you would need to know more like living in a place and and like less to do with like, you know, what's to do for fun, the kind of things. So they do other countries? Oh, yeah, there's about 80 or so. So um, like culture shock country. Culture shock India, culture shock Japan, yeah friend of mine just wrote Culture Shock Vietnam. So there, there's probably about 80 of them or something. So, yeah, as you said, the last time they put out a Korea edition was I, was 2012. And yeah. they, they go back to their 90s. Actually, when I came to Korea, one of the first books I got my hands on was the then current edition of uh, Culture Shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think uh, it was 2002, possibly. And then 2012, those are the two that I've seen. Right. Can you recall your biggest culture shock when you moved here? Like, what, what stood out? for you the most wow that's uh what stood out for me the most we can do that for each of us yeah that's yeah. that's a tough one i could i didn't i don't really feel feel like uh i didn't have like a huge like uh shock straight away okay i think for me it was more like subtle things like the like the idea of going to another country really excited me because mm-hmm. like I, I think i mentioned before i came i spent a year kind of backpacking around europe and I, and I just love the experience of going somewhere new and, you know, yeah. diving in and, and that lost feeling. It was just exciting. So I didn't feel shocked in that sense. Like that. I didn't know what was going on. didn't bother me. Um, but w- the things that like um, for me, the culture shock was more like when you would kind of learn something that or not quite be able to understand why people were doing the things they were doing. Yeah. Or, yeah. So like one. OK, here, well, here's an example of that first year, like when I was talking to my boss. So I, I signed a fairly typical Hagwon contract and mm-hmm. you, know, you get like, say, 10 days off or something. But then when you go to talk to the boss and say, OK, well, here's my contract. Here's what it says. Can I have these days off? And and you realize that he has a very different understanding of what the concept of a contract. Whereas in the, in the United States, it's a, it's like that's kind of the last word. That's it's it. set in stone. What, what the contract says. But here, here, it's a little bit more flexible. I, right. I know where a mean. contract is more like a starting point, or just kind of yeah. a, it, it's it allows for flexibility. So that was I remember a shock at the time. I was like, well, what do you mean? You know, my contract says I can do this. Why are you telling me I can't? And, and uh, it took yeah, me a while to kind of understand. So uh, that was one of the early things where I was like, well, yeah, that's like, a frustrating thing. Too, oh yeah, it still yeah. drives people crazy. It's uh, along, changed a bit along but, those same lines. I remember when I worked at a hog one. I work at public school now, but I started a hog one, and I remember 
when my boss would make a mistake, he would smile while he was apologizing to me. And I was like, what are you doing smiling right. at me? Like, I, I was like, are you right. mocking me? But apparently Koreans, like they, they smile to kind of like try and like uh, alleviate the situation, right. not make it as tense as it should be. Right. But I, I remember it made me so frustrated. I was like, why are you smiling at me right. right now when you totally made a big mistake? You know, that's one that still actually gets me like the, the so-called embarrassed laugh. You know? Yeah. 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 Even knowing about it, like uh, just last year I had a student who he had done something to screw up in class and I, and I was kind of upset with him one day. Like he left to have a cigarette or something. Mm. And I asked him, I was like, where'd you go for 20 minutes? He was like, I had a cigarette. And then he started laughing, like, ha, ha. And I was mad, you know? And, yeah. and he's laughing. I'm like, why are you laughing? You yeah, like, this is, very... yeah, this is not a time to laugh. But he was embarrassed because I was calling him out in front of the whole class. I realized You later, guys ever but... experience this? The, oh, yeah, the yeah. embarrassed laugh? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, like, once you know what it is, you can be like, all right, I can appreciate that. But if you're not familiar with it, like, it really right. does make you more angry. Yeah, yeah. You no, know? if I hadn't known that, I, I wanted to choke the kid. I'm like, yeah. you know, you know, you can't just leave my class and then laugh in my face about it. <laughs> Oh, apparently you can. <laughs> well, you can, yeah. But there was that instinctive, you know, cultural right. reaction when I was like, why are you laughing? And I was like, okay, he's just embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you were talking about contracts before. Back mm -hmm. in those days, say when you first got here or when I first got here, the uh, the base language for the contract was actually Korean and not English. Right. So the contract could have been written you know, you don't, you, you, you don't know what it actually says. Right. They would, even but now, that, think, that actually yeah. changed around 2007, where you can have your contract where the base language is English. I, th I have to read my contract. I, I still sign one every year. But there was some, I remember reading a clause somewhere, you know, it was like in any sort of dispute, like the Korean version was like the definitive legal one. Mm. So, uh, you know, for like if it hadn't been translated well, you couldn't say, well, you know. This is what that means in English. I think there are still some things that are worded very carefully. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say like you don't have to work on weekends or public holidays, but mm -hmm. if, you the principal, <laughs> if the principal wants you to do whatever, then you have to do it. You're obliged to do it. And it's like, well, that right. means working on but you can't have holidays. You can't, you'll probably be hung over when you have to work on the weekends. Yeah, you, can't have contract. Your, you can't have your contract say the base. I don't know the... Uh, you know the technical terms for it but like the base language my contract says the base language for this contract is in english yeah so it doesn't matter what the korean says hmm. oh okay oh that's cool so whatever it says in english that's what it abides by yeah yeah and obviously the translation if needed is you know probably more towards whatever the english says yeah but uh, i remember those days they were fun my yeah. my first year, I didn't have a bank account. You know, I got paid. Do you remember getting paid in the envelope? Big stack with a of uh, stack nice. of yeah, fat stack of cash. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the month, and you're just like, I'm balling. Throw them on the bed. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, what was that? Like, Damn it! I got a <laughs> indecent proposal. Yeah, yeah. Proposal. And you realize I, I'm the one who has to clean this up. I've made this huge mess for nothing. But uh, anyway. So culture shock, I don't recall myself having much culture shock. Like, I think people that are coming here or decide to come here are looking for that anyway. They want something new. For me, I've said in the past podcast, one of the biggest things to adjust to is uh, it's odd. It's looking up. I wasn't used to, like, places being on the second, third, fourth, fifth floor. And yeah, and a shit where, ton of signs you know, everywhere, right? Yeah, where, and yeah. and the neon type thing, you know, where where I lived in Canada, 
everything was on the first floor, like business related. So uh, I would walk around and it took me months to look up and like, you know, holy shit, there's a pool up there on the (laughs) second floor, you know, right near my house that I didn't know that was there. Put out, did you guys have any culture shocks? Let's say Phil, Phil, you have Um, So I like to, you know, sometimes people watch, you might call it being a creep and... (laughs) It was it was really weird when I couldn't understand everyone's conversation. You, you just hear people saying stuff like holding conversations. You have no idea what they're talking about, and that kind of threw me off because now I have this reverse culture shock when I go back home and I can just understand everyone's shitty conversations. Mm. And it's just like, oh man, I'm missing out on all this pointless information. Yeah, you know what's happening. So that was kind of weird. You know, because I'm sure everyone gets the reverse culture shock after being here for so many years. Uh, that's what I have the most. My, when I go home, it's odd. I went home from uh, for my brother's wedding one time, which didn't last long. Not The wedding or the, yeah, the, <laughs> the <wedding>. marriage? <laughs> the marriage. I'm not knocking my brother or nothing. but Take that. It was odd because, you know, I got to see all my relatives type thing in one place. And I'm constantly bowing to people. Yeah. I'm not like a full-fledged yeah, bow. Too, yeah, but I, like, I, I nod to... It's, yeah. just, it's yeah. more of a nod than a bow, but... Yeah, and, last and time people, I was... People are like... What are you doing? For sure. Last time I was in Canada, man, every time I was in a convenience store, I was like, oh, you know, thank you. And I'd give them a bow, and they're like, what the fuck are you yeah. doing, you know? Like, <laughs> or, the, or the random, come and you're like, oh, I feel like an idiot. Like, a, oh, yeah, yeah. you're just pretend, just trying to. Oh, the worst uh, is if you travel to Japan and you say, come samnida, they're like, we're Japanese. <laughs> it's, Japanese it's arigato gozaimasu. Yeah. You know? For me, it would be like going to my cousin's house, and like, you just instinctively go to take your shoes off, you know? Yeah. And they'll be like, no, 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 just come in, come in. And I go yeah. in with my shoes on, but I just feel weird. That's, like, that's definitely an odd one. Like, it feels strange now to walk around with my wa- shoes walk on. Walk in the house with your yeah. shoes on. It's like, I never do that. Well, see, in, where I grew up, everyone took off their shoes, you know, in West Virginia. But it's not common everywhere right. in it, the West, you know. Shoes are filthy, people, man. It was kind of situational. Like, if we were out playing football or something, my mom would be like, you know. Take off Take your it, yeah. shoes, but otherwise, didn't worry about it. But I now I just feel weird. Adam, what was your biggest culture shock here? Uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned like signs and everything. I remember, I don't know, culturally, I'd say like dating was a bit strange at first. Uh, like in Korea or just in, in Korea, in Korea, in life dating dating Korean women was was a bit different than uh, than in the West. It was probably more of a culture shock for them. Yeah, than you. probably. Yeah. I, I just remember like when I first arrived, like I was working at companies like LG and stuff and everyone would say, oh, my God, you're so handsome. And I was like, I'm actually considered pretty average looking in my home country, you know, like <laughs> I'd say so. I mean, but they're, but they're like, you're, you're so handsome. And, you know, like because of the high ridge nose and the blue eyes and shit, like it's like totally exotic for them. But and you're quite me, tall. But for me, it's just like. I wasn't like a fetch, you know, mm-hmm. back in Canada. Can I ask you, like everybody, you inevitably get compared to some famous person. Like mm-hmm. years ago, I used to have sideburns, for example, and they'd be like, oh, they'd see the sideburns and go, oh, Mel Gibson, you know. Or- Somebody <laughs> told me I looked like uh, Keanu Reeves Keanu- once. <laughs> I was like, I don't look anything like that guy, you know. What uh, what comparisons like have you gotten over the years? If I could ask. Well, you, I, think it's kind of I used to have long hair, you know, in the States. So one lady thought I looked like. Uh, younger, chubbier Steven Seagal. Which, Steven Seagal. I'm like, he's chubby enough. You didn't have to say that. <laughs> yeah. Scott, do you ever get a celebrity uh, uh, comparison? I have, I have two. One is uh, was Mark McGuire. Oh, okay. I can see that. I can actually see that. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was my, thinking uh, my, Mark McGrath from my, my first year. Sure, Ray. 
My second year here, I actually went to a baseball game here, and everybody thought I was Mark McGuire. Mm. And people lined up where I was sitting, literally like the entire stadium. I didn't see the baseball game, and I was just signing autographs. As Mark McGuire? Yeah. Like, you, you wrote down Mark McGuire. You do yeah. look a bit like him, though. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, can and, see that. Uh, Steroids, man. Like, it's a, and, uh, off the juice. The other one was uh, Bruce Willis, the bald Bruce Willis. Yeah, Let's I got. See, I don't. I don't have hair, but well, like I said, I got Keanu, and then like a little bit later, somebody said Edward Norton, and I was like, "Still, you're yeah. way off," you know. I, I got the other one. I got was Elvis. 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 Maybe the sideburns again. I don't know where that came. Yeah. From. Can you Elvis. do an Elvis impersonation? No, not at all. Could you try? <laughs> we'd really, we'd really love it <laughs> if you could just. Oh, what's the, uh, give me a line? I uh, something line like the, ain't nothing but a hound dog. Hound dog. Oh. How's that? Uh, peanut butter uh, and fried, fried bologna sandwich. And the other, the, the other guy I get, especially I, I get from back home, but also here is uh, what are those two guys on a uh, Discovery Channel that do that? Uh, what's that show? Mythbusters. Like? Yeah, Mythbusters. Yeah, was it uh, Jamie Heineman? One of those guys. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Where's the, the I mean, Yeah, if you had a longer goatee, I could see that too. Anyway, I, I, I do sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I obviously cut it once in a while. But, yeah. Once. I cut it once. But you got to have the glasses but, uh, for that one. Going back to culture shock here, another thing for me when I first arrived in Korea, I arrived at night. I think I, or in this area, I arrived at night. I got, I got to, uh, Masan around 10 p.m. and I got put in a love motel. Ooh. And there were all those like, you know, like Pokemon cards with the girls on them right all over the place and right away i started collecting them were you like Auga! <laughs> and uh <laughs> it's always the, like the lobby or the check-in place is always the third floor for whatever reason it's not the first floor so i got put in one of these love motels in a room that had one of those you know like a sex chair and uh there's like naked girls on the walls and stuff and i was just like thank god i came here <laughs> I, thought, uh, I, thought, I thought it was in the you know right away right in the right place but <laughs> there's definitely neon neon was hard i think with culture shock it comes to wherever you come from you know what i mean it's going to be different for every yeah. individual in a way i think the term culture shock is to me is a little misleading because it, it like there are those moments sometimes where something's so different that it's like a shock like a, i remember walking like in the in the red light district at, at in amsterdam and I remember this woman just this overheard, you know, she was like, this is the worst culture shock I ever had. Like a woman from like Nebraska somewhere, like in a red light district, like where it's something, it's just like a shock, like, whoa, this yeah, is a lot. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it's more like, like I was saying, it's more like the things that are really different, you just kind of like, okay, well, it's different. And like, like if you go to some place, it's just, you know, where you got to ride like a rickshaw to get where you're going. You're just like, okay, well, that's just how it is. But, but when things are, uh, I find the culture shock comes for me more than things that are, are more similar, you know, the things that are just a little bit different. Mm. Like the contract thing I was saying, it's yeah. like, you know, you sign a contract, you got to wear, everything's the same except, you know, this little quirk, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it, those are the things that kind of throw you off. Cause I think when it's so similar on the surface, it kind of lulls you into thinking to expect things to happen a certain way. Yeah. And, I, and when they don't, that's what really kind of throws me for a loop where you're like, what's going on along that same line. I would say like, you know, like, we have respect for our elders in North America or in Western culture, but here it's like you have to even like talk to them differently. Like you have to add an oyo or imnida at the right. end of some of something like because they're older than you. 
even if it's just by a couple of years, you know? Right. Yeah. Even if it's like a minute, like if you're a twin born two, two minutes later, you have to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, you're yeah. screwed for life. Yeah. 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 No. You like Korean food? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. What, what's your uh, top favorite? Uh, these dishes? days, um, probably I would say Samgetan is one of my all time oh, nice. favorites. Samgetan. I actually cook that at home now. Oh yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I, I mean, I eat everything, but, uh, that came to mind. I had it recently. Where did you get the recipe for that? Um, it's pretty easy actually. It's just, a, my recipe is really standard. It's just, uh, you know, the chicken, the ginseng, chestnut, garlic, jujube, and rice, rice yeah. stuffed in. And it's just really a question how long you let it. What's the boil. broth made of? Well, see, that's I, one of the Chicken things stock I started. You can do it with just water and just let it go. But I, I use stock now, and it's just it's that's makes the yeah, difference. It's the next level. It's yeah. much better. So you like to cook? I don't like to cook. I like to eat. So I, <laughs> so I cook. Yeah, yeah, that's why I cook. Yeah, that's that's great, man. Yeah, I right. just got into uh, sundae gukbap. Mm-hmm. Do they do it? Because that's a big thing. That's a uh, kyungsang. Not yeah, yeah. Dish. Is that and I didn't like it when I first came here, but it took like a couple of years. And then I was like, I ate it one time after working out. I was like, I'll give it another shot. And then I'll, now I'm just like, I'm obsessed with it. I think it's awesome. There's a place yeah. right down the street from my house. There's two places. Yeah, that's one of my regulars. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough because I, I love everything, but um, th- those would be up on the list. Um, but I love uh, like takalbi and takalbi fried rice, all the barbecued meats, uh, uh, seafood, Busan. You know, we eat a lot of seafood, sushi, any, basically anything. Um, there's really not much. Yeah, I do don't you go like, to uh, uh, Jagalchi often? The fish much. market? No, there's well, actually, I live near the Milak fish market, which is at the end of Guangali Beach. There's another kind of big fish market. Oh, okay, there. yeah, same same deal. You can I walk haven't in. heard of that one. Yeah, it's a smaller one. It's, it's uh, you can walk in, pick out your fish, you can eat it. There. There, take it home, do what you want. Jagalchi is the biggest one in Korea, I reckon, right? I, probably, yeah. yeah. I, I read somewhere that it's the oldest, but I can't vouch for that. Someone said it's about 500 years old in continuous yeah. operation, and it kind of looks it. it. It got a facelift a few years ago. Yeah, but, yeah. But it's 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 got its own real um, culture. Yeah, it's got, yeah. It's got its own like um, dialect. There's words that they use there that they don't use. Anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, kind uh, of cool. and they have they have like big auctions like in uh, in Tokyo, the mm-hmm. Tsukiji market, the, right. the really big one. Yeah, yeah, where they sell tuna for like a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So getting back to your book here, yeah. How did you get involved in terms of uh, becoming the author of the 2017 version of Culture Shock Korea? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I, I um, It's actually a story uh, where to start. Well, I'd been blogging and uh, writing for local magazines like Pusan Haps and um, mainly that one. And then, um, you know, mainly for free. And, you know, it's that old thing about writing for exposure. You know, everybody's like, oh, you work for exposure. And Writers and artists, musicians, everybody jokes about it. I definitely know that. Yeah, but it's really, um, it really helped me in the end because what happened was I'd been doing that for a few years, and I guess when the editor was looking for somebody to write it, she was just uh, contacting bloggers who people were writing about Korean culture. So I got an email through a blog that I actually had been defunct for about a year that I had been writing for, and uh, you know, asking me would you be interested in doing it? So I was like, yeah. So I mean, it really it was kind of a uh, the, the editor of Pusan Haps. Uh, you know, he likes to use this story now as justification, you know, for not paying anyone. But he's, he's, nice guy. <laughs> he's like, see, exposure really yeah. is worth something. It really does have value. So, um, so really, that's how it came about. Yeah, I just got an email one day. Mm. So you're the author of the entire book? Yeah, we started from scratch. Um, the old one, I mean, as you know, like Korea changes so much. And, you know, obviously things like history and, and uh, food and 
the basic roots of the culture don't really historical change. facts. Yeah, but we basically just started from scratch. I, I just started completely over. Uh, I just referred to the old book just to see what kind of things they included. But as far as the, the you content, wanted to keep it separate. Um, yeah, well, I just started over. Well, the, I asked the editor initially. I was like, so am I revising the old one? What am I doing? She's like, no, you're just writing a new one. So, um, so I just started over. Yeah, new images. The, the series itself got like a facelift. They, they changed some design features. They have a lot of illustrations now and I think more mm. pictures than before. Mm. Frankly, I think the images in this one are, are better. I've seen, you've probably seen some of the old ones and they look like mm. some guy's snapshots, you know, from pulled out of a shoebox somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, this will work. Maybe a little know? bit of clip art. They, they don't look very good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, this one, I tried to get you know good photos, and I'm I'm lucky that I know quite a lot of good amateur photographers. People I could call up and say, hey, you know, can you give me some good shots? And there were people, a lot of people were willing to pitch in. So v- visually, it's a nice book. Where did you get this picture? It. This is from a guy named Shuvra Mandal, M-O-N-D-A-L. Uh, yeah, he shot shout this out Shuvra Mandal. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a lovely shot. Um, he was very generous. Uh, I didn't have much of a budget. They did give me a budget, but it was like, uh, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the number, but it worked out to about 10 bucks a photo I could spend, Okay, uh, which is not a lot. It's not really <laughs> what they're worth, you know, yeah. but, uh, but a lot of people were, were cool. But again, exposure. Yeah. Expo- hey, man, don't knock it, man. It's really, uh, you never know. <laughs> Someone's like, oh, this is yeah. a nice photo. I'd like to have that in my living room. You never know. You never know where it goes. You know, people say, hey, you know, who shot that? And uh, I wonder if he's got anything else or you, you never know where it leads. Yeah. So many people actually contributed like photos. Uh, seven or eight, yeah. Uh, some of them were friends of mine, and then I put out a call. Uh, Facebook was really useful for finding people. I, there are a lot of photography groups, so I would say like, "Hi, I'm writing this book, and I need shots. And anybody interested, please send me a link to your portfolio." So, and I got a lot of good stuff like that. Yeah. So, what are the main themes of the book? Like, if you, if you could, if you could give like a uh, general understanding, is it like food and etiquette and things like that, or right? So the the series, yeah, it has a uh, format. So they tell you, they pretty much give me an outline. They say, mm-hmm. like, we want a chapter on history. We want a chapter on um, customs and etiquette. One that's more about, like, socializing, social customs. Okay. One on um, food, language. Um, one specifically about work culture. Yeah. And then one about enjoying yourself in the country, traveling and enjoying yourself, things to do. Um, and then the first chapter was sort of wide open. It's called First Impressions with, with no real instructions. They're just kind of like, you know. Yeah. Whatever you think. Go. Yeah. So, but it had that basic framework, um, and all the books have that same general framework. All right. Yeah. So it's essentially just a guidebook, then. Right? It's a guidebook. Uh, yeah. yeah. They usually, when they classify it, like I looked it up, they sometimes lump it in with, uh, sorry, travel guides. But it's not really a travel guide. It, you could use it as one, um, but it's more, like I said, more for living there or yeah. long term residents. If you're if you're working and living here, right? You really have to get settled in. And That's there, good. there's a chapter on practical stuff, like how to get a phone, yeah. how to rent an apartment. So it's it's really. I think I think that. the work etiquette is probably very essential for that right and, and that's and a whole, social one as that's well. a whole chapter as well yeah. so so yeah it's more geared for people who are gonna be staying staying a while cool so that's culture shock a survival guide to customs and etiquette which will be released at well, some sounds. point soon and uh i'll i'll have the links to you know where people can get the book and stuff like that and right. show notes whenever it comes out it's 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 out actually well the ebook should be out they t- my editor told me june so i'll double check that but the ebook by the time this broadcast airs the ebook will be out and then the we're not airing this we're, we're, we're not, this, <laughs> this, is, this is fake <laughs> we're just here to talk to oh, people is that well the um the hard copies uh will be available in august i'm told on 
that's on Amazon UK book depository and all the big booksellers will have it in August. Yeah. And I'll have all the links to wherever anybody interested wants to get the book, they can pick it up. And even if it's at a later date, great. Thank you. Yeah. It'll always be updated type thing. So that's culture shock. Once again, Mm -hmm. one thing I want to remind people is culture is different everywhere. So, you know, people thinking about coming here or new here, just keep in mind your way is not the highway. For sure. It's different everywhere. Yeah. It's better to adapt than than just complain all the time. You can learn about it or just accept it type thing. Yeah. But don't necessarily go against it. That's actually, yeah, I mean, it's one of the points I try to make is like, you know, when you go anywhere, any country is going to be different. And and, uh, a lot of how well you adapt really has to do with your own attitude and your own, you know, how how you look at it. Yeah, 100% I agree. You know, so I, I really try to make that point. I really, I really spend a lot of time talking about that, you know, just really... Be open, but also, you know, understand. You don't have to necessarily like everything that's new and different, right. but you have to understand. Yeah, you don't have to have agree to. with everything, right. you know, but, I mean, you don't have to complain all the time. Right. you find a lot of people, I think, here who just who just bitch and moan oh, about things that don't really matter. Right. You know? I'm sure you guys have heard the expression, the ugly American. Mm-hmm. Anytime I, I travel or I go anywhere, I try to be the opposite of what that would be. For sure. So. That's not an expression. Yeah, that's a fact. Is it? Yeah. Have you heard, about North the, American? Have you heard about the beautiful Canadian? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard about some beautiful beavers. But it's same everywhere. You know I mean, yeah. if, if I go to America, I don't, it's not much, obviously not much yeah, different yeah. culture differences between Canada and Canadian uh, cheese curds on your fries. Right. Canada's known as, you know, USA's retarded little brother. Now we always say America light, like the light beer. I didn't know it was retarded. <laughs> no one said that. <laughs> <laughs> said nobody. I wish I had this yeah. book when I moved here initially. I didn't think I'd be here. Things are so much different. You know, yeah. compared to like when, say, both of us got back here. in our day, back in our day. I mean, things like social media didn't exist. There was yeah. no Facebook. There yeah, was no actually clubs. talk to people. There right. was no nothing. Friends. I just got my first so email account difficult. when I moved here. I didn't even have email. What was it? Was it like Hotmail or like? <laughs> <laughs> it was, I opened a Yahoo account like when, when I moved to Korea. Yeah, yeah. I still have Hotmail. Yeah, you do. <laughs> You've got mail. You've got mail. <laughs> So things are a lot different, obviously, than now. There's all kinds of groups and social media and Facebook things. You can find out more if you're interested in coming to Korea. It's a lot easier. You know, like Skype, you can you can right. keep in contact with people from back home. Yeah. Things are easier in terms of life in Korea. Yeah, and I think Korea also has opened a lot to the world in that time, and it's become more livable, if you want to put it that way, for Westerners. Like, if you are kind of attached to your home culture, like, you can find that I, stuff. There's more of that variety. I think it's a lot stuff. more welcome, welcoming towards foreigners, especially mm-hmm. among the younger generations. Yeah, you know? I agree. Yeah. Not to say that all the older ones don't want us here, but there right. are some, you know, obviously. But I think the younger generations, they're, they're a lot more open to, like, meeting us and talking to us and yeah. things like that. So. I, I would agree. Yeah, I see that openness, too, especially the younger. But like you said, too, the, a lot of the older people, too, they, they were very open, yeah, like, oh yeah. very welcoming. Yeah. And, yeah. But uh, when you do run into that conservative, you know, like uh, Yankee go home mindset, it does tend to be like some 85-year-old yeah, guy sure, yeah. you know, lives out and in, you just gotta he lives in a bunker or something. It's like, whatever. <laughs> it's know. generally not a 21-year-old kid at yeah. a university campus. You know? No, for sure, yeah, you for know? sure. So that's Culture Shock, a survival guide to customs and etiquette, a new book, Culture Shock Korea, right? Correct. Right. That's right. So a new book coming out soon. We'll have all the links 
to everything in the show notes and how you can get this book if you're interested in it. The author is John Bosky. Bosque. Yeah. Bosque. Bosque, yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. I'm not saying <laughs> it's it right. I'm not saying it right either. You're not uh, saying it right anyway. <laughs> that makes so. it, it would make a great gift for someone interested in moving to Korea, you know. Yeah, if you know anybody who's kinda new in town or, or who's always complaining, hasn't figured it out, yeah. maybe yeah. Stuff, stuff it in their Maybe stocking, a college yeah. graduation gift. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Get out of here, kid. Yeah. Get a get a job. <laughs> get a job. <laughs> Move out of your, your parents' basement. <laughs> so if people want to get in touch or find out more about the book, they can email podcast at changwander.com if people want to get in touch with me they can email me at scott at changwander.com if people want to get in touch with phil i don't think people want to get in touch with me i mean i'm waiting on facebook and all social medias but yeah i'm on facebook and instagram if you ever you're lonely and adam don't be so insecure <laughs> I'm, I'm, i am insecure i'm adam at, I'm adam at changwander.com <laughs> and i welcome everything i i welcome dick pics and you heard that, John. John yeah, you can add me. On, get in touch with you. Yeah, you can find me on Facebook. John uh, Bosque is B O C S K A Y, and just feel free to add me or follow the me. boss. The boss. You you started that, but I'll, I'll take it. Hey man, the boss in the morning. I've, I've been called worse than that, so yeah. that's cool. All right, so that's Culture Shock Korea: A Survival Guide to Customs and Etiquette. It's a new book that comes out. It might be out now. If not, it'll be out soon, and we'll have all the links how you can get the book. Add it to your Amazon wish list. All right, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the K Pod, and we'd like to remind you to please share and subscribe. Uh, and leave any comments you want, even if they're negative comments, because if you want to leave a negative comment, we relish in that shit because you're an asshole. And I hope you have a good weekend and happy Canada Day to all my fellow Canadians out there. I love you all. Happy and, Independence uh, Day. Stay tuned. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in to K-Pod. Stay tuned for our next episode.